Welcome into another special edition of the Inside Carolina podcast. Last Saturday, prior to the NC State basketball team and prior to the 1993 national championship team being honored at halftime of that game in the Smith Center, George Lynch joined Joey Powell and myself on Inside Carolina Live in studio at WCHL uh, to record an all-encompassing interview of Lynch's thoughts on the 93 season, thoughts on that 93 national championship team, and also a look at this year's Tar Heels. We felt like it was a good interview. The YouTube video we've shared on InsideCarolina.com, and we wanted to bring it to the podcast feed. So for the next 35, 36 minutes, you'll hear George Lynch, Joey Powell, me, and Nia Satterfield-Brown break it all down and get George's thoughts on the past 30 years since that 93 national championship team. Enjoy. This is our second week of national champions. And we, you know, last week we had Marcus Ginyard join us. This week, back in town with some of his teammates, George Lynch from the 93 squad. George, there's no way it's been 30 years since y'all cut the nets down, is it? Well, if you, if you look at my gray hair, <laughs> <laughs> at least it's, you got it's it. It's been 30 years. <laughs> at least you got it, man. It was my senior year at Carolina, too. Knew a little bit of a few of you guys. We can talk about that off the air. But what do you remember, like, when guys talk about college, I try to go back and think, 1993, I was a senior at Carolina. I remember they won the national championship. Like, what do you remember vividly from that, that year? Man, um, I remember the the type of work that we had to put in. Uh, you know, You know, to me, the two years before that, with uh, with Duke uh, going back to back, that was all I could remember <laughs> as far as my motivation going into the season. Um, just being able to reflect on those feelings, uh, you know, we I think we got ousted the previous year by Ohio State, mm-hmm. and. All I could think about was, you know, going out as a champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between going to classes, you know, the four losses between Duke, Florida State, uh, Wake Forest, and who was the fourth loss? Uh, you tell me because somebody's already asked. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the fourth loss. Michigan. So, Michigan. In Hawaii. Yeah, it was Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the type of – commitment and sacrifice that 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 group we had to put in uh, you know everyone was counting us out or didn't have us up there with you know I think they had Kentucky Kansas mm-hmm. uh, you know they were talking the usual about suspects. The five, talking about the five five and we didn't have the exciting players we were like look to me I felt all year we had the best coach in the in the country mm-hmm. uh, I also felt that we were prepared and ready to match up against anyone uh, that year and come out victorious. So it wasn't, you know, it was just about us taking care of business. Do you remember, um, I I guess it was uh, Midnight Madness at the time, and it was right around Halloween. 
And Heinrich Rodel got up and said, and I remember this vividly because I was there in the stands, and he said, this team could be so good it'll be scary or something to that point, something to that effect. And everybody thought, well, you mentioned it, lost Ohio State. I think they had Jimmy Jackson. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the year before that, um, lost in the Final Four against yep. Kansas. Kansas. Yep. yep. And then the year before that, you were on that team. Rick Fox hits a shot against Oklahoma mm-hmm. and then lose to – We lost to Arkansas, I think. Arkansas. 40 minutes of hell. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it sort of builds up to the point where you know it, your teammates know it, the national media doesn't know it. What was Dean Smith telling you guys? Coach Smith always tried to reflect the the pressure of being a Tar Heel, uh, a Carolina basketball player, off the players. Mm. It was it was always about something else bigger uh, than you know us playing a game that we all enjoy playing. So he he always somehow some way made it more about life off the court mm-hmm. than it was on the court because he knew the pressure we were under. When you think about that pressure, was there pressure? Was there pressure because Dean Dean hadn't had but that one since 82? Did did you guys feel that? I know Dean did we everything he could to. We didn't we didn't talk about that. The the pressure for me was watching Duke clip the uh banners and, yeah. and clip the nets. Two years in a row, mm-hmm. and so that burned in you guys. Well, I know it burned in me. I I don't know what my teammates were thinking, <laughs> but my summer was look. We and we also felt that the ACC was the best conference in the country. Sure. So if anybody was going to win it that following year, it had to be an ACC team. So I want to I want to ask you a little bit. You know, you talked about the things that you remember. Obviously, with you guys, you know, again, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around 30 years, but you guys had a lot of beloved personalities on that team in, in 93. What's something you want folks to – that you want folks to remember about that squad and, and about, you know, what you guys were – is it something having to do with, with Coach Smith? Is it something having to do with, with the fact that y'all did wrestle the banner away from Durham? Is the fact that, that you guys were the unsung heroes and maybe the workmanlike roster that, that rose above it all? I think it was more, uh, you know, they talk about family, mm-hmm. Duke, say the brotherhood. Here in Chapel Hill, I know at least when when I first stepped on campus, it was about family. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the first day on campus, King Rice, Rick Fox took me on, on, on my tour of campus. That's all they preached. So when the guys came in, you know, Hebert was already here, uh, when when everybody else came in, you know, the Reese and Sullivan mm-hmm. and, and Phelps, that class, Rozier, came in. It was about making sure that those guys felt the same family atmosphere. So by the time, you know, a lot of kids don't go to school four years now, but we had been here for four years. Mm-hmm. And it was about getting the job done. Uh, I know when, when I was recruited out of high school, I came to Carolina for to graduate, go to Final Fours, and win a national championship. And I was on track with two of those three. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my banner. So for me, 
And I made sure that all my teammates, we were on point to hang a banner my senior year. So what's the difference in a really good team, maybe even a great team, and a national championship team? Is it work ethic? Is it buy-in? Is it chemistry? Is it all of those things? What was it for you guys that made you different from being real, real good, Final Four caliber, to clipping the nets? Because we're, we're seeing that right now with this squad. I think, it, I think it's, about, it's about the buy-in. It's, it's about every day the preparation. Uh, you know, we was just at practice and Coach Davis was telling the guys, preparation is about now, get the best out of today's practice. And that's what it's about. Because, and then the other thing is, you got to be healthy going down that stretch. Everyone has to be gelling, playing together. Um, and then you have to believe with the guys in that locker room and the coaching staff, the game plan has to be executed and the closer you get to the championship game, the less mistakes you have to make. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to that Final Four, all four teams are playing at their best. Of course, they're healthy. Uh, they're clicking on all cylinders. And no matter who we played against that 93 year, we believe that the game plan that our coaching staff gave us, and if we executed it, we didn't have to worry about who was on the other side. Mm-hmm. I've heard folks say too that you know when Coach Smith was was coaching, it wasn't about you know, y'all doing scouting reports. It was about y'all executing your game plan better than the other team was going to execute theirs, and that's how you won. Oh yeah, yeah, we believed in it. Uh, we were just talking at breakfast. You know, uh, Matt Winstrom and Salvador brought up the first game of the year. Well, when we was in Hawaii, he was like, "Man, we about to lose our first game." And Coach Smith came in the huddle and said, we about to win this game. And then Matt Winstrom and Scott Cherry was on the sideline was like, does he know what he's talking about? We down, <laughs> we down nine with 30 seconds. <laughs> and and he, they said Coach Smith made a believer out of them right there in that game. He made a believer out of me when we, was, we played Oklahoma mm-hmm. in it, my freshman year. Mm-hmm. He drew up the play. On both sides, this is what we're going to do. This is how they're going to react. And it happened to a T. Wizardry. Just, it. I mean, all the way down to Rick Fox, I want you to ball fake. You're going to get a layup. He he ball fake and shot it off the glass, but that was Rick Fox. He had to do it his way. And then going into my senior year, Cincinnati, overtime game. Mm-hmm. He told Brian Reese, don't dunk it. Don't dunk it. (laughs) (laughs) And what happened? Brian Reese dunked it. Now we got to play extra minutes. So, but those were the things that we, I mean, you have to believe in your preparation and trust in what the coaches are telling you. You have to trust that your teammates are going to come through for you. And that's one through, Coach Davis has 18 players. Mm -hmm. So, they have to believe in 1 through 18. And then 1 through 18 have to do their part. I think that was, that was the key to the national championship team. Every guy knew what his responsibility was. And to the best of my knowledge, everyone carried out their responsibility. So you talked about um, a guy a second ago who was old man on campus when you showed up. And that's the head man now, Hubert Davis. Mm-hmm. What was Hubert like as a teammate? 
Because, again, he was the older guy. You talked about the older guys like King Rice and Rick Fox showing you around. Hubert was one of those upperclassmen when you got here. What were, what were those guys like? But more importantly, what was Hubert like then as a player? You know, the thing about it was uh, everyone had their own personalities. And, and Coach Smith, you know, later he told us, he said he likes to recruit kids. He wouldn't recruit, he wouldn't recruit five kids that had the same personality, mm-hmm. same area, same background. So Hubert, Hubert was, you know, he was very religious, um, and he was, he was kind of quiet, mm-hmm. but he was like in. You could tell his mind was always the competitive side because all the, you know, all the all the guys that was on the team. I don't think he was a McDonald's All American. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was highly recruited, but you couldn't tell once we got in practice. I mean. He was he was the best shooter on the team, uh, well three point shooter, uh, and he could score at all levels. Like Hubert could shoot the three, you know Rick could shoot the three, but not as consistent as mm-hmm. Hubert. Nobody else. Hubert was probably the only player on the team my freshman and sophomore year that was shooting the three point shot until we got you know Dante Calabria mm-hmm. on the team, but he could get to the rim when he wanted to. It didn't look as athletic as everybody else, but when he wanted to dunk the ball, he could dunk it. When he wanted to shoot the three, he could. He had a floater in the lane. He had all three levels where everybody else didn't have that to the game. And he was as competitive as anyone else on the team. That That is, talking about Hubert there, I think – people have forgotten or maybe shortchanged how good he was yeah. at Carolina. I mean, he certainly showed it playing in the league for as long as he did. Um, when you look at him and then you look, you mentioned Dante and then Donald came in. What do you see in, in the newer guys or, or these guys, you know, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, do you ever watch later teams and God, we've got 29 versions of it since we're talking <laughs> about 30 years ago, but do you see, in the new guys or in the current team, what you saw, the pieces at least, when you were playing? Uh, are there um, comparisons there? Well, is when you ask a former player, we are those guys' toughest critics. <laughs> and and because I'm 30 years removed, I'm probably <laughs> a little more old school. I got, a, I got a son who plays at Myers Park, and I'm his toughest critic. And... So when I watch our guys, sometimes I I don't always see the uh, the sacrifice of I know I can take this shot, but I'm gonna get a better shot mm-hmm. for my teammate. So that's so sometimes and, and and a lot of times it's it's good and bad because I like love's confidence. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't believe how many Guys, former players on the group chat was like, "Man, if I had a chance to take thirty-four shots." <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was for 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 Carolina players, and I, you can ask. I mean, you can go back any generational guys to see guys take thirty-four shots in a in a college game. It questions whether the the. Uh, if you plan for your team or you plan for an individual. Now I'm not in his practices and I'm not in the locker room. He might felt that he needed to take 34 shots, but uh, sometimes you know 
Baycott should have had 10 of those touches yeah. before you take 34 yeah. shots. But, you know, we, um, we're hoping that these guys can get it together because at the end of the day, if you don't win a national championship at Carolina, it's a disappointment. Mm. Well, I, I, it's a disappointment. And, and, and that's the standard that we, as former players, hold the current guys. So, and, and I tell them when I see them, I say, look, man, we're about hanging banners. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, nowadays these young guys, they got so many people in their ear. Yeah. They dealing with the NIL. I mean, if I was here playing and we had NIL, it would be hard for me to focus on school and stand focused on the basketball court. Sure. All right. Let me ask the, let me ask the follow-up to, to the 30-plus shots. What would Dean Smith – and I'm not banging on Caleb Love at all. Right. It is what it is, and I don't want people to take it that way. It's a different game. It is a different era. But what would Coach Smith do if George Lynch put up 25, 30 shots in one game? How, how <laughs> would he, would you I, be I, doing? Well, what would he pull you? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I could have got enough offensive rebounds <laughs> to take 34 shots because he did allow me. He said, George, if you get an offensive rebound, you can shoot it. And he said, you, I don't care where you get the offensive rebound from. So that was my incentive to – because I also knew that Donald needed his shots. Yeah. Brian Reese needed his shots. Derek needed his shots. So I was always kind of aware of what my teammates around me, mm-hmm. if they were getting – if they were happy when, when the game was over, mm-hmm. were they happy with their shot attempts? That's an interesting – it has been interesting, you know. Baycott said yesterday in media availability, telling Pete Nance to shoot more. You might as well shoot more. Everybody else is, and so it's just a different, right? A different way. When you look at, I want to go back to that '93 team um, a little bit because one of the games everybody talks about is the Florida State game, the mm-hmm. Florida State comeback. I was there. It was one game I did not go to. <laughs> Y'all cost me a bathroom door. To, um, in Highland Hills Apartments, I'm sorry. I'll send a check if y'all have forgotten. Great. Um, but in a game like that, I think it was, what, 21 points, 10 minutes left. Um, you talked about Coach Smith telling you this is what's going to happen, and it did. Can you speak to how important it is to have – not only confidence in yourself, but have another human being have that confidence in you to be able to perform? Um, it, was, it was it was a relief because, because even, you know, after Carolina, you know, leading up to Carolina, I played a lot of basketball and I played for different coaches. And every coach has his own style. Some coaches are, are drivers and pushers and you never can get it right. And Coach Smith had that balance of we're going to keep working until we get it right, but I'm also going to keep encouraging you to play the right way, play within team concept. Mm -hmm. And if you do it my way, we'll be successful. And, and, And it's a lot. It takes a lot for a young kid, even the guys today, to trust in Coach Davis, Mm -hmm. to trust in everything he's he's telling them and then trusting everything that everybody else been telling them and just finding that balance. Cause people don't know my first year at Carolina, my uncle was telling me to shoot the ball. Mm. You need to get more shots. <laughs> and coach Smith telling me you can be the best player on the floor without shooting the ball. 
So, and I came, and I was a high school All-American. I averaged 20-something mm-hmm. points and 12 or 13 rebounds King in High King of Roanoke. School. Yeah. And Mr. Basketball in Virginia. And then you come and, and a coach say, you can be the best player on the floor for me and not shoot the ball. And 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 for and what are you thinking? 18 year for an eighteen year old, how do you wrap yeah. your head around that? Well, I'm like, well, I know one thing. I want to play more than I want to sit on the bench and cheer. So it was either listen to the coach, Coach Smith, who's giving out the minutes, or well, Coach Guffers was giving out the minutes, but listen to these two guys and and play. Or listen to my uncle. <laughs> and sit. And sit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uncle. <laughs> so I want to ask you, I think people forget you were a lottery pick mm-hmm. and played an extensive NBA career. Um, if I remember this correctly, last guy to wear the 34 for the Lakers before Shaq. Yes. Um, so, so I want to ask you, your career in the NBA, I mean, you were such a versatile player. North Carolina has a guy that a lot of folks see similarities in you mm-hmm. with Leaky Black. Right. Do you think Leaky has a future in the NBA with his skill set and his frame? And, you know, his shooting hasn't been the best, but it's been better this year. How, how do you think he translates to the next level? I think we have a similar and – I, and I had a conversation with Leaky last year. I said, Leaky, don't worry about scoring the basketball because mm-hmm. he was shooting and he was shooting. Yep. He was putting pressure on himself. You could just see it on his body. And I said, Leaky, trust me, you're the only guy on this team – this was last year's team mm-hmm. – that can guard one through five. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you give Coach Davis that trust that I can put Leaky on one through five if I need to stop, he got to have you out there. Yep. And then you're going to just, because you're on the court, a shot going to come your way. And if you continue to put the work in, they're going to fall. Because he was trying to prove to everybody he could yep. shoot the three. And, and now, this year, he's making three-point shots. He looks so much more confident taking right. them, too. Right. So – and he's going to be much more valuable. If he can defend one through five this year, make a timely bucket, mm-hmm. whether it's a three, mid-range, layup, they can get back to the national championship game. And then he's got to be willing to – I think he needs to be a little bit more vocal. He needs to be the guy, look, if it ain't going right and someone on that team, like Baycott said, everybody else shooting mm-hmm. – they need someone to step up and say, listen, man, if it's to Love, if it's to Davis, if it's to Trimble, if it's to Pete Nash, uh, look, you, you done took enough shots or you need to take a shot. Someone has to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. And, and don't wait until the biggest game in the moment. You got to say it in practice. Mm-hmm. You got to say it in these games. Where they, they, there's not as much pressure, there's not the ACC tournament, there's not the, you know, run in the NCAA. You can't wait to the last minute to say it. You got to be willing to say it when it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. and that's in practice when Hubert got y'all playing situational and you're trying to win a game and nobody's watching. Right, because then your your teammates know it's coming from a good place. It's about winning, and as I think, as long as all those guys do what they do, and it's about winning. Good things will happen for this team. First lottery pick we've had in the studio. That matters. <laughs> it's um, it's it's a big day here in Chapel Hill. NC State coming to town, honoring the '93 team. Should be a pretty raucous atmosphere in the Smith Center this afternoon. And 
uh, George and his teammates will be uh, will be honored at halftime of that game. So appreciate him making some time while he was back in town. Just got done talking off the air. George is doing, as you guys probably know, watching the broadcast. George is doing um, analysis for the Hornets TV network now. So you probably get a chance to see him on TV as much. But if, if you're not used to seeing George on TV, check out the YouTube channel right now. Tommy's got us up and running. And, and you, can, uh, you can see 93 team captain, or one of them. You and Montrost and was, was Phelps. It was, Rodo. It was Rodo. Rodo. Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah, Montrost is next year. That's right. I forgot he was a junior that year. Um, so right now we've got the IC Takeover segment where you guys ask questions. I know you guys have been dropping a lot of questions in the chat today, too. We appreciate that. This segment, of course, brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. George, did you go to Johnny T-Shirt when you were in Chapel Hill? I stayed in Johnny T-Shirts. Listen. They, did, they didn't give you much as a discount as uh, the shrunken head, but... <laughs> but, but but you knew about Johnny T-Shirt. I and knew that's, about it. That's yeah. amazing. I is, knew about it. Johnny yeah. T-Shirt has been around forever, and they are big supporters of this show. If you need a UNC basketball jersey, look, we talked about the women's basketball squad earlier today because they're on a roll right now. If you want a women's basketball jersey, a men's basketball jersey, Johnny T-Shirt is your spot. Hit them up on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. If you're a premium subscriber to Inside Carolina, you know you get the extra 10% off the top. You know, George is talking about discounts. We got your 10% on top of their already great prices. Johnny T-Shirt right there on East Franklin. Hit them up while you're in town today for the ball game. They will take care of you. We appreciate them sponsoring this and segment. I'll, I'll be in there, so you come in there and buy a T-Shirt. I get your autograph. Look no, at that! No, no. <laughs> he will buy your T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Tommy getting the man getting the man's checkbook all strung out already. All right, Nia, hit us with some questions, please, ma'am. All right, my first question is coming from Lyle Register. So, um, you obviously might have gone through some scoring slumps in your career, whether it was as a Tar Heel or in the league. So, C- Caleb Love, he's going through kind of a scoring slump right now, and he's one of the main contributors. Um, for UNC in terms of scoring. So just wanted to ask you, how did you get out of your scoring slums during your career, and how do you think he can kind of get out of his, hopefully today? I think I think what Caleb has to do is all the outside noise, if it's people, family, mom, dad, uncles telling him to shoot the ball, just play the game. He's He's a good enough player that the ball would find him, his scoring would go up, and he will win. And the, and the so-called NBA guys who know NBA basketball will know that he's making the right decisions. To be a pro, they want to see you make the right decisions at the right time. And if he's taking 15 bad shots, most of the time when you get to an NBA team, you're not going to be the guy. Right. So you have to be a, a George Lynch or Danny Green uh, Bullock, if you're not that top five pick, you have to find your role, and your role sometimes may be be an asset to a team. He has to be an asset to Carolina. He's a threat when he touches the ball. That doesn't mean you have to shoot the ball every time, and it takes the pressure off of him as a player. For sure, for sure. That's def- I can definitely agree with that. Um, and just kind of with this game on the line, I mean, this is definitely – I would say a game winner, a necessary game winner for North Carolina. So, what do you think is kind of the ideal lineup for North Carolina today? I mean, Hubert Davis has explored the kind of three guard lineup with Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Seth Trimble, and sometimes adding in Demarco Dunn. So, what do you think kind of lineup is the winner for t- today's game? I I think I don't think NC State can match up size wise, so they're going to junk up the game. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to press. I think we just have to be in the right spot 
at the right time and make plays. Uh, don't be hero because, you know, the fans are going to be there. You got a lot going on. The, the 93 team is coming in. Just play basketball, make the right play, make the simple play, and we will be successful. George, you were on a roster with some guys. You know, you've got your name up there. A lot of guys uh, that were on your roster in that 93 squad have their name up there. Uh, somebody asked in the chat, um, Triamidas, uh, Triad Midas asked, for your perspective on Armando Baycott and his place in program history? Uh, he's already done it. I mean, he's, he's, he has his name in the record books. Uh, I think you got to be national player of the year or captain of a national mm-hmm. championship team. So he has to make sure that he gets the other guys to play the right way. Mm-hmm. Coach Davis and the coaching staff got the perfect – they got the game plan. They got plenty of experience. Guys have been there, big games. You know, they're going to give them the game plan. He has to make sure by him being the leader, statesman mm-hmm. on that team that the other guys fall in line. And if they don't fall in line, he needs to check them. Uh, and however that may be, you know, if it's a if it's a scuffle in the locker room, <laughs> it's a scuffle in the locker room, and y'all tap, shake hands, and get Going back, back at to practice. It. Yeah. Right, go back to practice. But it's about winning. And if he wins, like you said, and he come back thirty years from now, he's in the record books. He's won a national championship. He's the captain on the championship. His jersey would be in the Raptors. You get to come if, on this show. If he yeah, if he <laughs> if he win a national championship, he's probably more likely gonna be national player of the year. Sure. His number going to be retired. So winning cures it all. And that's got to be his top priority uh, going forward. Let, let me ask you, you mentioned scuffles in the locker room. Were there any when you were at Carolina? I mean, you guys seemed pretty cohesive um, your entire time there. Um, and then, you know, the dogs and Stack and Sheed came after you were there. But from 90 to 93, tell us about that locker room. So my first day on campus, I came in with Kenny Harris. A lot of people don't know about Kenny Harris. So it was me and Kenny Harris, two Virginia guys. Mm-hmm. He was a guard, and I was, a, I was the forward. And then there was King Rice and Rick Fox. And That's some alphas. So King Rice and Rick Fox, man, it was, it was crazy because Kenny, was, Kenny broke all the records in Virginia mm-hmm. scoring. And I was Mr. Basketball in Virginia. And we were – Two confident guys. <laughs> but when we played pickup, King and Rick used to kick our you-know-whats for, I, I would say, at least the first two months of, of uh, being on campus. Welcome to town, rookie. And Exactly. And it used to, Kenny and I used to go back to the dorm room and we was like, tomorrow is going to be our day. <laughs> <laughs> it changes tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it changes tomorrow. So it, it fueled us every day. And then that was, I think there was an instance in the locker room. And King had a nice background. He was a football player. Mm-hmm. But we got in. It wasn't a fight, but it was one of those, you know, big brother, little brother. We're going to wrestle, and we're going to wrestle until someone taps out. So eventually, <laughs> uh, Kenny and I got the best of Rick and King. And then, uh oh. And then, as as the <laughs> as the years went on, 
you know, I was I had seven footers. I had Montross, mm-hmm. I had Winstrom. And Y'all had twenty one foot of white. Yeah. And and at times, those guys, you know, Winstrom was he was he was a wild guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And me and we and Winstrom had to wrestle. It was really never any punches going, but I had to let everybody know that this was my locker room. Mm-hmm. Because I've been, I was, I was there. You know, I was there. We, you know, the before. You know, you had Kevin Madden, Scott Williams, Rick Fox, mm-hmm. Keith Rice, and you saw how those guys went about their mm-hmm. business. You know, and then we was we was short a final four mm-hmm. that year. I didn't want that to happen. You know, and I had a conversation with Coach Smith, and uh, he he was like, "What would you do different?" I said, "Well." We're going to have the toughest running program, conditioning, in preseason. We're going to have a year-round weightlifting program. Because I knew there was guys that didn't like to get in the weight room. Sure. And at some point, you got to have some muscle to back that game up. And, you know, Brian didn't like to lift. Mm-hmm. Derek was from New York. The New York City guys, they were like, man, the weight room, I don't need the weight room. Yeah, Taylor Ripolis, if you're yeah, listening, listen yeah. to him and say so, about New York City. So, <laughs> we had to raise the bar because if it was on paper, we weren't the most talented right. team or most athletic team, but we had to overcompensate by being prepared, being stronger. You could outwork them. Yeah, and we, we had to have that work ethic to, to, to win the games that we won that year. I got to get in here, and I know we're taking fan questions, but I'm seeing all these questions about the national championship team and the final four and all. Um, you guys got there in 91 and then turned around and got back in 93 and finished the deal. How important was it, that 91 experience? Oh, it was, it was everything. Because you don't, you don't know what it takes until you go through that fire. And then if it had been our first experience at a Final Four and you got it, you're, it's the hoopla, the right. media, you don't know how to manage your day. And then you got family calling for tickets. If you hadn't been through it, you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think with this year's team, because they made that run, they went through the losses. But it's a it's a different animal now. You got NIF. They got so many more distractions. Yeah. The challenge for the coaching staff and the so called leaders and captains of that team is stay the course. Right. And hopefully those guys can stay the course. Now this is my last question, and we got to do this again. I mean, we got to have you on a full show to talk about this stuff. But you're in the national championship game, and it's counting down. And I and I wonder how much I would remember if I were actually in it, but watching it, remember everything. They inbounds the ball to Weber. He walks. Yeah. And y'all, everybody <laughs> freaked out because he walked and they didn't call it. Did you have any doubt that he was going to wind up in that corner and you guys were going to trap him? No, we. I didn't. I didn't know how. To, well, let's take it back. Let's go back to when we lost to them in Hawaii. They didn't have a press offense, mm-hmm. so their their weakness was they weren't organized, mm-hmm. and they and whether it was discipline or coaching, whoever gets the it doesn't matter. So if you go back and watch the tape when we played them in Hawaii, Jalen was always taking the ball out, mm-hmm. and. I grew up I, I I just reflected back on my childhood days. I had a cousin called him James Gravely. We call him Bobby Brown. 
Barber, Barber Brown, because he used to cut all the guys' hair my junior and senior year. But he was a, if he's 5'10", guard, a lot of energy. I used to chase him around. So I knew that I could guard one through five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I told Derek, I said, listen, man, if Jalen takes it out, we're going to run a two-man press, just me and you. So and you I called said, that fly. Yeah, so I told Eric, I said, Eric, you go back and protect the rim. Mm-hmm. Coach Smith kind of gave me the freedom just to – You'd earned it. He gave me the freedom to gamble because yeah. he, he knew he knew if I gambled, yeah. I had a good sense that I was going to make yeah. a play. And, um, and let Salvador tell it, he said that I just couldn't stay on my man. <laughs> I had to gamble. But if – I was if if my teammate needed me help needed me to help him defensively, I was gonna be there. That's right. one thing they could count on. Now making a shot, yeah, that's questionable, but they could count on me helping defensively. So Derek and I decided that we were just gonna do a two man press. And it wasn't really it was to take time off the clock. Right. And to to wear him down. Make I, him work. I had pride in my conditioning that I was in better shape than any <laughs> college player in in that year, ninety three. So I was just going to work him and turn him. And hopefully, Derek, being Derek, he was going to come up with a steal. Mm-hmm. And so once Jalen took it out, they had burnt a couple timeouts before that, and then they did it again. I, I don't know what coach said to him in the timeout, but they, they, they didn't have a press offense. Mm-hmm. He ran up the sideline, and Coach Smith and the coaching staff, Coach Guffridge, Field Ford, the sidelines was our extra mm-hmm. defenders. Mm-hmm. You know, once he crossed that half-court line, we knew he couldn't go back. And we just forced him up the sideline, and everybody kind of just reacted. We were up four or three or four. Right. We were up. And if you were going to take a chance, we were already winning at that point anyway. We hope you've enjoyed the George Lynch interview. What a cool deal to get George in studio Um, when he was in town for the 93 celebration. Hope you enjoyed this version. If you want to check out the YouTube, it's on our YouTube feed at Inside Carolina's YouTube channel. It's on the message boards. It's also on the Inside Carolina front page. Check it out. Enjoy it. Send us some suggestions, who you might want to hear from next time, and we'll do everything we can. For Tommy Ashley, Joey Powell, and Nia Satterfield-Brown, this has been Inside Carolina Special Podcast. We'll talk soon.